Hi, I'm Eric with Smart Pot Fabric Planners, back with a special follow-up episode of The Growing Revolution. And in one of our first episodes, we interviewed Milo Seamus, the president and founder of Dr. Earth, where we touched upon the subject of chicken manure and its role in the fertilizer industry. Now, uh, that came out in about January, February or so, but uh, in the spring of this year, we saw in the news many chicken farms detecting avian flu at their facilities. And what's crazy is just one positive test triggers the instant slaughter of millions of chickens at a time using methods that many would consider to be inhumane. And it got me thinking about chickens again and why this was happening in the first place. And I started to do a little bit more research on the industry and my findings were confusing and maybe a little bit shocking. And I would say in life, you are what you eat and what you eat is what you excrete. Now, is what we are feeding to chickens okay and does that have consequences down the line? So I reached back out to Milo with my concerns and we decided that this was a topic worth expanding on and we wanted to get him back on the, uh, the program and into the studio as an expert on fertilizers in general and especially organic fertilizers. Uh, the main topic that I wanted to cover is, are all organic fertilizers good and, um, you know, are there components of organic fertilizers that shouldn't be in there. So, Milo, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eric. Good to be here. Yes, yes. Uh, it's been a while. So, uh, you know, like I said, there's been, uh, you know, more chicken uh, tragedies in the news. But, you know, before kind of diving into that, I wanted to uh, verify some industry um, statistics with you, uh, if that was okay. Um, I found that the poultry industry is valued at around $40 billion annually. Wow. Does that seem accurate? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the last time I looked, which was, it's been a couple of years, it was in like the 34 billion range. So that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a big industry. Probably a lot of people are shocked, but I mean, you know, think about how much chicken you consume uh, in a weekly basis, and it makes sense. Sure. Um, and diving into the numbers further, uh, I found that around 98% of chickens are raised in these confined uh, factory farms. So basically, almost the entire 40 billion uh, industry comes from these farms. Makes sense, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that's an indisputable uh, fact. That's very accurate, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and then, so you got to feed these chickens, and 90% of all corn and soy that we grow in the United States is coming from GMO seeds, which allows them to tolerate the glyphosate herbicides that farmers are using for weed control. So... Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that the vast majority, uh, if not all of the food that we're feeding to these chickens is GMO, uh, derived, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been my understanding for years. It's, uh, that's where these grains, I mean, I didn't realize that. So it's up to 90% as of today. I mean, I know you gave me some statistics to look at. Was that in there? 90%. 
Yeah, that, and 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 from other uh, stats I've seen, you know, it's it's pretty rare that farmers are not using you know Monsanto or Bayer uh, derived seeds, uh, just for the reasons of, you know, that that we stated for uh, weed control, and it makes sense. It, it's economics, uh, unfortunately. Um, so from those stats, I found that uh, around 700 million tons of mostly GMO feed is used to feed these chickens. Um, and in the course of raising these chickens, they're producing around 335 million tons of manure. And I have to imagine that's dry weight manure, not uh, wet manure. Do these numbers make sense? Yeah, I mean, if you said uh, seven, and I did have a chance to study those numbers, I, I recall them. I mean, if you say 700 million in, and then you said 335 million tons out in dry weight, yeah, that seems statistically correct because from my understanding, um, you know, I've, I've studied the poultry industry, Eric, obviously, you know, for a long time, that's why you have me on the show, but it takes 2.4, I'm sorry, 4.2 kilograms of feed to produce 2.4 pounds of protein, of chicken protein. So when you tell me 700 million tons went in and 335 million tons came out in the very end, that seems statistically accurate to me because the rest would be in the, the bird weight, the protein. So there seems to be balance in your uh, in your mathematics here. Okay, so that, it sounds like the FDA and the USDA have a huge incentive to dispose of manure from these factory farms in the most economical manner because obviously we can't just allow these byproducts could, to go directly into the waterways. Um, so what's happening with all this animal waste? Well, I mean, that's always been kind of one of the obstacles I've always faced in that the the existing, you know, bureaucrats, you know, they're obligated. I mean, they're, they're elected to kind of deal with, um, you know, one of the things they have to deal with is like all this waste that, you know, that society produces and, and society needs like meats and vegetables and, and, you know, other things like that. So, I mean, they have to facilitate the ability of these farmers and, uh, you know, to raise chickens in, in intense areas. And, but then at the same time, you have to feed people the chicken protein, like you would with a beef protein in a beef farm or pork, you know, so on and so forth. The common sense part of it, you have to deal with the waste. Um, same thing with chicken farm. I'm sorry, with, uh, with fish farming, same exact thing. You have to deal with the fish waste. In that case, people don't seem to have such a big problem with it because fish waste is looked at very differently than land animal waste. But yeah, I mean, the bureaucrats, they have a problem. And um, the problem is called waste to keep society moving. So, I mean, they have to somehow work with these chicken farmers to facilitate avenues to be able to remove the chicken waste. I mean, and, and you know, I know it's massive amounts. I mean, you know, you gave me a really funny analogy, which was like, he said, what, 400 football fields stacked 100 feet high to get rid of 335, uh, you know, million tons. I mean, God, can you imagine if that was released into the Pacific Ocean just like that? You could you'd probably shut down the beaches from from Mexico to uh, to Canada. I would pr probably be the biggest, uh, you know, uh, catastrophe in, in modern time. So, I mean, yes, they have challenges, Eric. And... Um, 
it's a big deal. This waste is a really big problem. So they have to facilitate ways to move it out. Um, and th this is one of the ways that they do it is uh, uh, fertilizers and manures and, you know, land management and, uh, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. What Now, what really kind of shocked me is, did you know that the manure coming from these uh, factory chicken farms can be considered an organic input material, according to the USDA? Uh, GMO manure is certainly being uh, applied to countless organic certified farms, right? Yeah, and that's, yes, it is. And I, I have a huge issue with that. And when you interviewed me in, in uh, you know, last year, I brought it up and uh, it is a big deal i don't think it's right um because chicken manures i mean you clearly spelled out the uh, the mathematics behind that they're coming from factory farms i mean 98 percent over 98 percent um you validated it's coming from factory farms so that means the probabilities of it getting that you know 90 percent of, of all grains you know being gmo uh, you know those chickens being fed that is more than likely, more than probable. Um, so, you know, to take that manure, which we can say all manures that are packaged for mass production. I mean, if you have a, a you know, a, a fertilizer and you're selling to Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, or any of the really legitimate national chains, you've got to have a real supply, you know, capability. You can't just go down to the local uh, chicken farmer, you know, uh, Johnny's uh, family uh, chicken farm, which they do exist, by the way. And I've always loved chicken farmers for that respect. I mean, I love chickens. I raise chickens personally. I love them and I love their manure. But that's totally different than what you're talking about. What you're talking about is a, fam a factory chicken that's being fed GMO grains. And you and I both know 100% of that manure contains GMOs because what goes in must come out. It's not like 700 million tons go in and they magically become converted and um, somehow through a magic box and the GMOs get wiped out. It doesn't work like that. If anything, they're probably concentrated. I mean, that was, you know, my research from, from years ago. I thought that that was, you know, crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I really, I still can't believe that they allow it in, uh, in organic agriculture. I don't think it has a place for that. I do believe that the bureaucrats need to move the manure out. You can't just simply say, well, we're going to create the waste. We have to feed society, but we're not going to allow you to do anything with it. That isn't right either. I'm simply saying, right. you know, I'm observing what you said is a big deal that, you know, organic farmers and even, you know, homegrown uh, gardeners, guys grown vegetable patch have no idea because you're right. It does say certified organic on it, but they have no idea. They're bringing in the GMOs as, as you, you know, pointed out the super obvious. I mean, it's like, wow. Um, yeah, it, it almost seems like an elephant in the room that nobody sees. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. I mean, we know that GMO products directly cannot be labeled as uh, organic just by uh, on its face. I don't get how GMO byproducts uh, w w I'm, that are obviously GMO byproducts from chicken manure can then be uh, classified as an organic fertilizer. Um, you know what I think? And yeah, it's, it's a higher concentration. It, it, it seems like a, uh, almost like a uh, controversy is brewing here. Yeah, I mean, it, it really smells like that. I mean, that's why I was so glad when you uh, got a hold of me and told me about this is because, 
I think, you know, Eric, you know what I really believe it is? I think you just said it a minute ago. I think the food labels, I mean, if you and I are going to consume like a biscuit or a cracker, let's say, or something like that, and we know it comes from a GMO grain, I think it has to be labeled. I think it's different. I think when you deal about, you know, with manures, even though they're regulated by the same body or like, you know, the same federal entity, United States Department of Agriculture. Um, but remember, there's multiple divisions and the people that police the food labels and the people that police the, um, uh, the fertilizer labels are totally different and they have different sets of uh, standards and, uh, and bylaws that they have to abide by. So, I mean, I think that's it. I think the fact that it's going into a manure, I think they're looking at, um, okay, well, what's the nitrogen content? What's the pH? What's the, you know, what's the acidity of it? Um, does it contain heavy metals? Or, or really where they look for chicken problems, in my opinion, Eric, is they usually look for E. coli and salmonella. They don't, you know, like, they don't go in there and say, well, let's look for genetically modified organisms. Even though, I mean, we know, and you pointed out, you're right, it's like, it's hiding in plain sight. 700 million tons of plain sight. It's going in. We all know what's going out. I just don't think they're proactively looking for this in that type of industry, Eric. That's what I really believe it is. I don't think that they're being malicious about it or they're trying to hide something. I just don't think anybody's ever identified it the way you did. I don't think it's just ever been done before. That's, that's, I mean, I think this is, you know, revolutionary. It's like, so or, or, or if they have identified it, it's maybe a big can of worms that they just don't even want to crack open because uh, it could have some ramifications down the line. So um, I, I had a general kind of stepping back, you know, question for you. If you could break down, you know, what is an organic fertilizer versus a non-organic fertilizer? I mean, I think the way that the, um, you know, Wikipedia gives it to you is that if it's carbon-based it's technically organic. Now, whether it's a contaminated organic, that's a different animal. So, I mean, we can say, hey, mm -hmm. was it natural or is it organic? Technically, if it contains a carbon element, it's organic. If it's, let's say, if it's a mine mineral like sand or clay or something like that, that's natural. There's nothing bad about it, but it just can't be organic because it lacks the carbon. That's the literal definition of organic. But I think people are more concerned with, well, what's good and what's bad. And I think that's a different question. Let's say for a crop, an organic crop, which is just carbon-based soy, for example, not genetically modified. Let's say if it's an old variety that came out of uh, Japan, you know, uh, 50 years ago. And let's say if that crop was growing and um, and was certified organic because technically it's carbon-based. No one's put anything on it. But let's just say somebody takes something like a chemical, a man-made chemical synthetic compound that are commonly made in today's agriculture to control insects and pests and fungal diseases. Let's say if that synthetic uh, chemical was applied to that plant, that carbon-based plant, then you and I would be concerned about it. And then it wouldn't be able to achieve, let's say, um, a CCOF uh, status, certified California Certified Organic Farmer status, and it wouldn't be certified as an organic produce. I think that's a more relevant question. And I think... Um, when USDA and, and, and those folks look at a manure, I think they're looking at it through pretty as a matter of fact lenses. I don't think their scope is like this, like you and I are looking at it saying, hold on a second. Hey, 700 tons had to come from someplace and they had to go somewhere. We know what you're looking for. 
And that's okay though, because maybe that's all you've ever, uh, you know, supposed to, to have been supposed to look for. And maybe now we're just simply saying maybe it should be looked at differently because, the, I mean, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal because, I mean, until and I'm in the industry, Eric, this is what I do for a living. I mean, you know, shame on me uh, for not being the one to identify this, but this is what I do for a living. And, you know, I didn't think about the most obvious thing. It's like, yes, it has the, you know, the organic certified status, but I don't think gardeners know that. It's, you know, when they bring that home, that it's actually going to the soil that they're directly putting their plant roots into. And you know the way chicken manure works. I mean, I've never been a fan of this ingredient commercially raised, um, conventionally uh, produced, I should say. Um, it's kind of like a, it's like a slurry. I mean, if you were to make a tea out of chicken manure, it really just, it distributes in the soil profile very quickly. It's not like a mealy. Um, ingredient that's, let's say, like an alfalfa meal or a feather meal or something that a physical particle that can't travel when it's watered. The manure takes on like a slurry, like a, a soupy type of a medium. And therefore, when you apply that to, let's say, a base of a plant, let's say we're a base of a tree and you broadcast it, there's a very good chance that, that when you water it down, and especially, you know, with a showering one like most of us use, um, it's going to equally distribute that slurry. And you're going to basically influence and alter that entire soil profile. And that's going to leach down into the entire root zone. So the whole rhizosphere technically could be influenced by your addition of that organic fertilizer in the manure, in the form that it's coming in. And, and that is a big deal. That's a huge deal. Well, and then beyond the rhizosphere, uh, below that is our water table. So, you know, I have to assume some compounds are making their way into there. And, you know, the science, I, I guess, is still out. You know, is GMO, you know, bad for us? You know, is it neutral? Uh, you know, I, I've heard conflicting reports. So, but I think, you know, knowledge is power. And I think a lot of consumers of uh, compost and fertilizer products would like to know, you know, where those ingredients are coming from. Um, because it sounds like, yeah, not all organic is uh, necessarily created equal. Oh, sure. So uh, dig digging in further into the uh, National Organic <laughs> Program, I found a stat that said a product can still have an organic certification as long as 70% of the ingredients are organically sourced and the remaining 30% comes from a list of allowed inorganic sources. Um, so I'd be willing to bet that the majority of organic product consumers don't know this fact. What's your take on it? Well, I mean, you know, my take on it is we, we have to live in, in a society. Unfortunately, the genie's been let out already, Eric. And I think that the regulators are just doing the best they can, trying to be as honest as they can, as transparent. I think that's a better word as they can. I mean, the world, the modern world's already contaminated with, with GMO, uh, you know, it's been genetically altered. I mean, we can find GMO residues on some remote, uh, you know, islands where no one lives on, but some plant tissues, you know, have been tested and have been altered. So, I mean, it's there. Now, whether you farm it, produce it, choose to ingest it on a regular basis, you know, throughout the year, three meals a day, 
that's a different thing. I mean, I think that's what you're saying. It's like, you know, so I think, you know, the, the regulators have to, you know, allow farmers to produce and, and ranchers to ranch and, you know, people to make and sell stuff to keep the economy and the world going. I think that's the answer to that. I know it's a really long-winded one and it's not direct, but it's like that's the only way I can, I can answer it. I mean, back to your chicken question. I mean, 700, uh, would you say, no, $40 billion of uh, chicken products. I mean, I, I'm not free of sin either, Eric. I mean, I'm not a vegetarian and I do eat chicken. I, I, it's not like I live in a, in a bottle or like, you know, vacuum. I have to go through a drive-thru with, with my family more often than less often. I travel for my company. I have to eat at airport restaurants. I mean, I don't think those guys have like another chicken supplier source that isn't going through a factory farm. I mean, I'm guilty of it, and I suspect you are too. We're just here to say, do gardeners know that their manures contain GMOs? I think that's really the crux of it, right? I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Forget about, I mean, I think if they knew, they might, it might change their thinking, you know, I mean, yeah, I think also I think the stomach is, is a really is, is a strange thing. Um, I don't think that when you and I eat like GMO protein, that's the reason why these guys are still able to farm it and use it, because no one's been able to scientifically prove that you and I can somehow extract this 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 um, this changed molecular protein, you know, and 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 somehow absorb it and it alter our bodies and change us and, and you know you know, grow a third eye. You remember they used to say, hey, you're going to grow a third eye if you eat GMOs. Well, clearly no one's grown a third eye. If anything, GMOs have grown livers and kidneys and, you know, kept people alive. So it's been a different thing. I mean, no one can prove that the stomach is absorbing these GMOs separately from the proteins, the fats, the carbohydrates. I've always known that. I've always, and that's the reason why I intentionally, when I started my company years and years ago, I knew not to use manures. I'm not a big fan of manures because I understand the way the stomach works. And I have since I was a very young man. Um, what, by the time you rinse everything you know, through your stomach, you've taken all the good stuff out of it. The stuff that comes out is usually bad. That's why you know, steer manure, you know, even 30 years ago, wasn't a great ingredient. Chicken manure 50 years ago, I think was a great ingredient because it was in factory farms and genetically modified organisms weren't yet mass produced and you know, part of our everyday life. Um, you know, I think that's that's a big part of the whole story. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of moving parts. You know, it's it's a really complex. Uh, it's a really complex problem. You know. Yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds like as long as we're going to have livestock farms, they're going to continue to produce a massive amount of waste, and that waste has to go somewhere besides directly into the waterways. So. Um, you know, is applying chicken and other animal manures directly to, you know, fields the, the only way to deal with it? Or is it just the most economical way uh, for big eggs? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the $40 billion question, right? I think, you know, it's one thing to, for the regulators, for, for government, both uh, local, state, and, or, you know, even federal government to deal with waste that we as human beings produce whether it's, uh, you know, poultry waste or, or sheep waste or whatever waste it is, uh, you know, uh, bovine waste, we have to deal with that. And that's just the way it is. Um, but I think there's two different ways to deal with it. I think you have to move it to big ag. You have to. You can't just let, let it sit in these football fields and 
pile up for the next uh, you know two centuries. That, you know you can't. That's not waste management. Um, I think you have to apply that to areas that are may, maybe people don't consume the vegetables or the fruits that come out of that land. Maybe it's just you know land that needs to be fertilized. Um, maybe that's the way it's dealt with. And I'm sure and I, as, I'm positive there's millions of acres available for that type of land treatment. Um, I think when you talk about a home gardener, a guy like you and I that would own you know a normal home, our lot is 50 feet wide by 150 feet deep. I'm just going to pretend like, you know, that's the lot I remember as a kid growing up in Los Angeles. Um, that's what you own. But you've never really had GMO problems. You heard about it from the supermarket and, you know, other places like that. You've never really brought it home and introduced it into that 50 by 150 plot that you own. And that's all you own. So I think for those guys, I think there's a different... There's a different like ethical component, you know, from what you're bringing up, because if those homeowners are unknowingly bringing GMOs home and applying it to their land and changing the structure of that land, or not the structure, but the elements, you know, how that land um, could potentially behave. Now, it may not be bad, Eric. It really may not be. So what? So you're saying, well, what's the big deal? You brought some GMOs home. They went through uh, the stomach of some uh, poultry. Big deal. Is, is the world going to blow up? No, it's probably not. But wouldn't it be nice if you told me? That would be my answer to that, right? Honesty is the best policy. That's what my parents uh, taught me. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, just kind of wrapping things up, you know, how can we as home gardeners, you know, avoid uh, GMO contamination uh, in the short answer is it sounds like stay away from manure based fertilizer products because it's more than likely they're going to be contained. I absolutely. Right? I think it's that. I think it's staying away from steer manure. I mean, we didn't talk about that any, but because I don't think so few people even use it anymore. But yeah, to stay away from the manure. So I mean, no one's selling pork manure, um, very little sheep manure out there. I mean, it's like also. You know, we didn't even talk about this. It's not just the organic fertilizer guys that are guilty of selling manures and, you know, potentially contaminating people's land with the GMOs. It's, the, you know, there's soil manufacturers out there. There's a lot of guys that that's how they enrich their soil blends or potting soils or planting mixes. And it's a, an array of manufacturers, you know. Um, so they use chicken manure as the, as the fertilizing agent when they're selling organically, ironically enough. It's coming from the organic community, my community. We're the guys that are actually polluting people's homes and people's land through certified organic soils and fertilizers. And that's, you know, I'm almost ashamed of that because it's like it shouldn't be coming from us. You think it would be some evil, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, evil corporate thing that Monsanto was doing. It's not. You know, they've actually been the most honest about this. They produce, you know, GMO seeds. They tell you what they're doing. They produce, the, you know, the uh, the glyphosate that addresses their GMOs. I mean, they're actually the most honest. It's the guys in the organic community saying, hey, this is great, don't worry about it, certified organic. And yeah, I mean, I think that is a big deal. I mean, I think, you know, that that's, that's I believe, that's when you got, you know, me listening to you, because I believe that's the code right there. That's a big deal, that is a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, knowledge is power and, you know, hopefully this uh, discussion between us um, 
hopefully blossoms into more conversations between you know people in our industry uh people who are in the regulatory uh agencies to um rectify what i think is, is a wrong here uh people consumers should know exactly what they're putting onto their land and uh feeding to their plants and if something is obviously not organic but we're saying that it is to me that's Absolutely. an issue i couldn't agree more yes well uh i think we kind of got to the bottom of things here and um you know i i, I think we just hopefully raised everybody's knowledge uh, level on organics and, and what's going into organic fertilizers. And yes, uh, I hope I hope this spurs uh, more conversations and uh, hopefully some action. I, I'm really glad you did this, Eric, and thank you for having me. I think it's one of the best, you know, subjects to talk about that I've heard in, in, in decades, to be honest with you. It's it's the obvious in the room that no one's talking about. So thank you for you know inviting me and uh, for making this a subject that people should be talking about because it is a big deal, especially in the organic uh, gardening community. It's a huge deal. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I'm going to be doing some more uh, research down the line, uh, hopefully getting into uh, some conversations with people who might uh, be able to make some changes. Absolutely. So. On that note, um, Milo, thank you very much for joining us uh, again on the Growing Revolution Thank you podcast. very much. Have a great day.